when you talked about storms, one of the things that storms do for us, especially when they're overwhelming, catastrophic storms like what we're experiencing in our country uh, right now. When you talk about these catastrophic storms, one of the things that it teaches us is how small we really are and how little power we really do have. You see, our government can't stop Irma. Our government can't turn Irma. Our armies can't stop Irma. No one can can do that. God uses storms for perhaps lots of reasons, but I think one of the reasons is to remind us that He alone is God. Now, theologically, we could talk about why do storms happen and the bad things that happen in life, and that's a whole other Bible study. But, but I think one of the things that happen in the midst of storms is that we recognize that we're not as big as we think we are, and we're not as powerful as we think we are. We don't, we're not, a, we're not as, as capable as we think we are. The best we can do is respond to a storm. We can't change it. But this Bible study is not just about the storms that are affecting our country. Uh, Tonight I want to talk to you about things that you need to remember in a storm because there's a story in the Bible where the disciples were in the middle of one of these raging storms. It, It probably wasn't a hurricane, but it was a raging storm. And in the middle of this raging storm, there were some things that happened that I think apply to our lives because you know and I know that there are personal storms that can also be catastrophic. Personal storms that that also do damage. Personal storms that we sometimes don't have control over. Personal storms that we can't change. We wish we could change the direction that it's going in. We wish we could change that person. We wish we could improve the situation. But there are sometimes storms that come into our lives And there's some things I think we need to remember in the middle of those personal storms. In fact, there are four things that I think we need to remember in the midst of those personal storms. So I want you to take God's Word tonight and go with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And I don't have my watch and I don't have my phone. Uh, So what time is it? Eric, thank you. Jamie wants to make sure we get out on time. Okay, John chapter 6. Now, I know for a lot of you, this is a very familiar... Oh, they just put it on the screen. Thank you. Yeah, I see that. John chapter 6. This is a very familiar scripture, but man, it is an important scripture and a powerful scripture if you'll dig into it with me. In chapter 6, verse 1, this is something we looked at not long ago, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we talked about that, and we won't dig into that, but just want you to notice that it goes all the way down to verse 14, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But that's the verse I want to start with. After the people saw the miraculous sign, that is the feeding of the 5,000, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. In other words, as they looked at the feeding of the 5,000, it wasn't like, man, that was some good steak. No, after the feeding of the 5,000, they looked at at the bread and the fish, and it was like, only God could have done this. This has to be. 
This guy has to be the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, Jesus knowing, now this is so interesting, verse 15. Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. That is, that they were so excited by what they saw, that they determined he needs to be our king. Whether he wants to be our king or not, he needs to be our king. And so, this just became the the general consensus. Everybody was in agreement. This has to be the prophet. He has to be our king. Let's go make him our king. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were saying. He knew what they intended to do. And he knew that wasn't the Father's will. You see, from a mere human perspective, we would think, Wow, what a great opportunity. People want to make me king. But that was not the Father's will. So verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king before us, what did he do? Tell me, what did he do? He left. He withdrew. What's that next word? He withdrew what? What does that word again imply to you? Exactly. He's done this before. It's not the first time. He withdrew again to a mountain. Now, don't miss these next two words. To a mountain by himself. All right? Hang on to that. Verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. Now, stop there for a moment. Just want to make this note. How far had they rowed in the boat? That's a pretty good distance, isn't it? I mean, from here to Cain's Corner is approximately two miles. So, I don't know what three, three and a half miles would be, but it, go to Cain's Corner and halfway back, and that's... You know, that's, that's a pretty good distance. And they weren't just rowing it in smooth water. They were trying to row in the midst of this storm. It was taking them a long time, and we'll look at that in a moment. Just want you to note that. Now, <clears throat> um, they saw, in the middle of verse 19, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. They were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. So let's dig into this thing, this story, and there's four things here that we always need to remember when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. Because I promise you, if you're not in one now, you will be. If you're not in a storm now, you will be. And it may be this week, or it may be this this month, or it may be next year, but you're going to be in a storm. I'm going to be in a storm. So what are some things we need to remember? I want you to write these down. I want you to have them in your Bible. I want you to have them in your heart. What are some things we need to remember? Let me give you four things to remember when you find yourself in the middle of a storm. Here's the first one. Write this down. He knows what's happening. Jesus knows what's happening. Now, remember this. Jesus had fed the 5,000 at the first part of, of this chapter. And that event kind of marked the 
the pinnacle of his popularity. He was never more popular than after the feeding of the 5,000. That was the pinnacle of his popularity. For the disciples, it had been an unbelievable day. Remember, he said to them, when we studied this, I love the line when we studied it, where they said, hey, we've got all these people to feed. You need to send them away somewhere because there's not a McDonald's within 14 miles of this place. You need to send them away somewhere so they can get something to eat. And remember what Jesus said to them? Do you remember that line Jesus said to them? Yeah, you do it. You give them something to eat. And then, so, so they, with a few loaves and a little bit of fish, and they saw him multiply. And, and if you remember the story, he not only fed the 5,000, which were just men, he fed probably their wives and their children, so 10,000, 15,000 people probably. And, and then when the disciples went around, he said, oh, by the way, guys, before you leave, let's pick up the leftovers. And there were how many baskets of leftovers? Twelve. How many disciples were there? 12. Every disciple had a basket of leftovers. So this was an unbelievable day, a day that they'd never forget, a day that like they had never seen before, a day where they heard a lot and learned a lot. And in fact, as I told you the last time we studied the scripture, this is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. It's the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. It imprinted something in the hearts and the minds of the disciples. They never, ever forgot the feeding of the 5,000. When they witnessed that miracle, it was an unbelievable sight. And it was a tremendous day. So, verse 16 and 17, they went from that high down to the sea, and they got in a boat, and they planned to go to the other side of the lake. Little did they know what was about to happen. See, things were going so well. They were excited. It was an invigorating day. It was a great time to be a disciple. Then suddenly, with no warning, they found themselves in the middle of a storm. One of the things you can count on regarding a storm is that you, uh, the, the storms that come into our lives is that you most of the time can't predict when they're going to happen. Let me tell you how most of the time they start, often at least. Do you know how they often start? They start with a phone call. You didn't know the phone was about to ring. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the middle of a storm. Or they start when you come home. And you suddenly, unexpectedly, find yourself. You just came home from work like an ordinary day. And you find yourself in the middle of a storm. Or they happen in a doctor's office when it was a routine examination. And they found something that you never expected them to find. Because you, you seem to be in good health. But they found something. Storms are so unexpected. Now, that's not true in physical storms in this day and time, right? Because you've watched it, I've watched it. It's amazing the technology that we have today that they can predict where the hurricane is going to go. They, they can track it. There's the European model, and what are some of the other models? I don't... you know? All right, you, don't, you didn't pay attention. Well... Yes... Do what? The wing and a prayer model. Yeah. But if, if you watch these diagrams, like they'll show this, the state of Florida, and they'll show all of these lines, and, and all of these lines are different models that are predicting the path of the storm. And it's interesting to me that they'll say, now in Miami, the storm is going to, to hit Miami at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then it's going to turn, and then it's going to go up north, and, 
It's like they, they predict the path. They predict the time that it's going to get to a particular city. It's amazing. The storm's moving at 14 miles an hour and it's heading in this direction, southwesterly or whatever, and, and, and then it's going to do this and it's going to hit there. Then they can tell you the path and the time when, when the storm's going to hit your area. Uh, man, wouldn't it be nice if we had that capability? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just kind of pull up on the internet and say, oh, tomorrow at 3 o'clock, but I better get prayed up in the morning for sure. Yeah. But we don't have that capability. We can't look into the future and say the storm's going to hit here, and this is when, and this is what it's going to be. It'd be nice if we, it'd be nice if we had that kind of device, but we don't have that kind of warning. We rarely, rarely get any advance notice. Probably nearly every Sunday as I stand here, it's storm time for somebody. It's just one of the things I carry as pastor is just to recognize that a lot of times you don't even know it. You don't know. You don't know what other people are going through. But some, and, I, and sometimes I don't know, but lots of times I know that when I stand in this pulpit and I look out over the congregation and and we're in three services, and I'm just meeting people all the time. You don't know the call that I had that week. You don't know the person who came and sat in, in my office. You don't know the email that I got. You don't know the person I sat down with and prayed with. But I promise you, just about every Sunday when I stand here, it's storm time for somebody. It's storm time for some family. And again, and I don't even know all of them. I don't know all the storms, but sometimes it's a vocational storm. Pastor, I just got fired. Sometimes it's a, an emotional storm. Pastor, our son. Pastor, our daughter. Sometimes it's a psychological storm. Sometimes it's financial storms. Sometimes it's a family storm. And man, all of a sudden, it just hit your family. You didn't know it was coming. You didn't have any way of, of knowing what was about to happen. But that's the thing with storms. They're almost always unexpected. But here's what you remember. In the middle of the storms, remember this principle. He knows what's happening. We'll show you this in, in the Scripture. Now, uh, we're studying John 6, but a similar account is in Mark 6. Mark's account of this story, Mark's version, if you will, of this story is in Mark 6. I want you to read verse 46, well, 45 through 48. <clears throat> Get your pen ready. You might want to mark something here in Mark chapter 6. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. This is Mark's version of the same story. Immediately, Jesus, look at this word, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Why do you think, talk to me, why do you think it says he made his disciples get into the boat? Do you remember what was happening in John 6, what the people wanted to do? They wanted to make him king. So why do you think, this is just speculation, why do you think Jesus made his disciples get in the boat in that environment, in that atmosphere? 
Ja. He's going to teach them something. Absolutely. Perhaps they're trying to, to protect him. I, I think he didn't want him to get caught up in it. You know? He knew that they're just humans and that they're, you know, susceptible to pride and ego and these people wanted to make him king. Well, if he's king, what does that make us? You know, so he didn't want them to join in. So he, he said, get in the boat. Just, 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 well, what about just get in the boat? You know, you've done that with your kids, right? Just get in the car. Well, what about just get in the car? And so that's Jesus, just get in the boat. He made them get in the boat. So let's see what happens. Uh, verse, <laughs> in other words, let, let me show you this. Uh, he made his disciples get in the boat. To me, that implies they didn't want to. He made them get in the boat. And they weren't necessarily wanting to take a boat ride. They kind of liked the crowd and the enthusiasm and the excitement and the possibility of him being king and them being the king's whatever. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he, was, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, here's where, where I want you to see verse 47. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw, verse 48, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. He saw the disciples straining at the oars. Get the picture. The Sea of Galilee is 650 feet below sea level. If you get to go to Israel with me sometime, you're going to get to be on the Sea of Galilee, and as you're floating on the Sea of Galilee, you'll see the hills and the mountains that surround it. They were down on the sea. Jesus was up on the mountain and according to, to the Gospel of John, remember how far had they rowed in their boat? Remember how far was it? Three, three and a half miles. Mark tells us they were in the middle of the lake. And Mark says he saw the disciples straining at the oar. So the disciples are down on the lake. Jesus is up on the mountain. And he sees them. And he sees what they're doing. He sees that they're in the storm. He sees that they're straining at the oars. He sees that they've been fighting the storm probably for hours. Now, I wonder if Peter stood up or, or spoke up and said, where's the Lord? Do you think he knows what's happening? I wonder if Thomas said, I doubt it. <laughs> but Mark said he saw them straining at the oars. In other words, he knew what was happening. And here's the principle you need to remember. When you're being tormented by a storm and you're struggling, you need to remind, my, you need to remind yourself, he knows what's happening. He really does. Watch this. The disciples couldn't see him on the mountain, more than likely, but he could see them in the storm. And sometimes in our struggles, we, need to, we might lose sight of him, but he never loses sight of us. Aren't you glad for that? When you're in the storm, you may not be able to see him, but he sees you, and he knows what you're going through. Number two, second principle, second thing to remember in a storm is this. He is praying for me. 
He is praying for me. See, the Bible tells us that while, Jesus, while the disciples were in the storm, Jesus was up on the mountain praying. Go back to Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6. Uh, when evening came, verse 16, his disciples went down to the lake and where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. And a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat walking on the water. I'm sorry, it was in Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 6. Let's go back. I'm getting more text confused. Yeah. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. After leaving them, after he sent them off in the boat, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, we're not told what he was praying about. Just says he, he goes up on the mountainside to pray. But when it says that he went up on the mountainside to pray, and we see this other text that says he saw them in the storm. He could have been praying about a lot of things, but perhaps the disciples, perhaps the disciples were the target of his prayers. When were they in the storm? Or what time of day was it when they were in the storm? Early morning. How early? About 3 a.m. Smart man right there. At 3 a.m. in the morning. What? He just read it in your Bible. I'm just happy he's awake. All right. It was about 3 a.m. in the morning. They, they've, been, they've been rowing about... They've been rowing for three and a half miles and, and probably for hours fighting this storm. And the Bible says in John, I think it was John 6, the Bible says it was dark. Is that John 6? Look at the text for me. Is that John 6? What verse is it, Peter? What, what verse is that? What verse? All right. So it says it was dark. Everybody look up here and tell you something. See if you agree with this. Things are a little bit scarier in the dark, aren't they? See, when you're reading the Bible, don't just read past things. The, the, the words are there for a reason. Try to put yourself in the shoes of the people you're reading about. They're in the mid Have you ever been on a body of water in the middle of a storm? Maybe it was a cruise ship and it was a bad storm. Or maybe you're on the lake in your boat and it was a bad storm. Maybe it was a sailboat and you're in a bad storm. Uh, that would be scary enough, but the thing that made it even worse was that it was dark. And you probably can't see the shore. It's 3 a.m. It's dark, you can't see the shore very well, if at all. The waves are just, just beating the boat. The wind is horrendous. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus not only saw what was happening, I believe Jesus was actually up on the mountain praying for them in the middle of what was happening. Can I ask you a question? And I do want you to answer this out loud. Let's suppose that in the middle of your storm, you knew that Jesus literally was in the next room praying for you in the middle of your storm, whatever your storm is. 
Would that make a difference to you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you're in the doctor's office and you know that he's in the next room over, absolutely. If you're in the counselor's office and you know that Jesus is right next door praying for you, if you're in your living room and you know that Jesus is in the bedroom on his knees praying for you, man, would that make a difference. Maybe you need to mark this verse in your Bible. Romans 8, 34. Go to Romans 8, verse 34. Here's what it says. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's at the right hand of God and He's interceding for us. He's not on a mountain anymore, but He is in heaven. He's at the right hand of God. And the Bible says He is interceding for us. He is praying for us. He sees your need, He knows your situation, and He's praying for you. So when you're in a storm, always remember, He sees what's happening. Number two, He's praying for me. Number three, remember this in in the storms that you encounter. The third thing to remember is this. He will come to help me. He will come to help me. You see, I'm just like you. I've experienced this. You've experienced this. I'm just like you. Sometimes in the middle of a storm, we can get to the point where we feel like, where is Jesus? Why isn't God doing anything? We kind of feel deserted when the storm keeps going and going and going and and God hasn't intervened. In the Psalms, David did that a lot. In the Psalms, David actually complained to God because God wasn't intervening the way he wanted him to. The Apostle Paul said one time in one of his writings, he said, I've I've burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Paul said there there were times when life got so hard, the storms were so real and so violent in my life that I, I despaired even of living. But one of the things that you need to remember is that he will come to you. I want you to go to John chapter 6 again. I want somebody to read verse 19. I think it's verse 19. Uh, Somebody read verse 19 out loud. John 6, verse 19. Would you have been scared? Oh, absolutely you would have been scared. They saw Jesus walking towards them on the water... Remember, it's dark. Don't forget that. It's always scarier in the dark. And they see something walking towards them on the water in the dark. What would your first impression be? What would you think that was? Yeah, that's exactly what they thought it was. In one of the Gospels, they they thought it was a ghost. And therefore, their fear went from storm fear to ghost fear. You know? Look what happened. Mark chapter, or John chapter 6, verse 19. They fought the winds and the waves nearly all night long. And verse 19, it says, When they had rowed three, three, three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. They were terrified, not just scared, they were terrified. Verse 20, but he said to them, and some of you might need to underline this, it is I, 
don't be afraid. Words of encouragement. It is I. Don't be afraid. When they needed him the most, he came to help. And when you're in the storm, your storm, remember, he will come to help me. Now, let me tell you this. Mark chapter 6 says that he came to them at the fourth watch in the night, which according to Dave, and he's exactly right, was probably 3 in the morning to 6 a.m. So he came to them. Watch, this is so good. He came to them sometime between... 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now, they started out on the other, to go to the other side of the lake a lot earlier than that, right? They've been rowing for three, three and a half miles. We don't know what time they left the shore to go to the other side, but, but suffice it to say, it probably wasn't dark when they left. And now they find themselves still on the lake at 3, 4, 5 a.m. In the storm, fighting the storm for most of that time. I wonder if they thought, we should have shown up a little earlier. I mean, appreciate the fact that you're here now, but it would have been nice if you'd come four hours ago. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get tired of waiting on God. I'm not, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm, I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But I get tired of waiting on God. The psalmist did, didn't he? He said, how long, Lord? How long do I have to wait? In the midst of the storm, remind yourself, tell yourself over and over, preach to yourself if you have to. He may not come on time. He may not come when we think He should, but He will come to help me. God will intervene. And the fourth one is this. He can reassure me. When your faith has been shaken in a storm, Jesus can reassure you. I love this. I love this. I love this. Um, he, came to the, he came to them on the water. And, and tell me again, what did he say to them? What did he say? It is I, don't be afraid. Don't miss this. Don't you think, because he is the Son of God, don't you think he could have stayed on the shore and said, peace, be still? Sure he could. Don't you think if he didn't do that, he could have at least yelled across the lake, Hey guys, don't be afraid, it'd be all right. Sure he could. He could have stayed on the shore, he could could have stayed dry, and he just could have said, Lake, shut up. And the lake would have been quiet. But he didn't do that. Watch what he did. He stepped down on the top of the water. He stepped in the middle of the storm and he walked out in the middle of the storm on the top of the water on the very thing that had terrified them. And he looked at them and said, It is I. Don't be afraid. There are times when he will come to you personally and encourage you in ways when you need it the most. And in ways only he can do. Nobody else could have walked out on those waters. No, if, if anybody else said, don't be afraid, it'd be, are you a fool? We're about to go under here in this storm. If anybody else said, don't be afraid, it wouldn't have helped at all. 
But let me tell you something. When the guy walks on water and he says, don't be afraid, I think I'll listen to him. When they needed him the most, he came with words of assurance. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 14, verse 33. Matthew chapter 14. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Noticed they crossed over. I know that's a small thing, right? It's a small indication. It's a small verse. But they crossed over. They thought they were going to die in the storm. But when Jesus came to them, they crossed over to the other side. And once they crossed over to the other side... Then they were able to talk about, wow. Wasn't that amazing what Jesus did in the middle of that storm? But listen, you can't talk about that until you've crossed over to the other side, can you? There's some people here tonight, and you've been through storms. You've been through a horrendous storm. And and here's what I know about you. You can tell other people who are in the middle of the storm, listen, I used to be there too, but I've crossed over to the other side, and God helped me. God delivered me. God spared me. God came to me. God comforted me. In the middle of my storm, it was the worst storm I'd ever been in. In the middle of the storm, God reassured me. I crossed over to the other side. He got me through. He got me through. And you can say to other folks, and He can do the same for you. So in the middle of the storm that you might be facing, in the time of those storms, He knows what's happening. He's praying for you. He'll come to help you. And He can reassure you. Let's pray about those things right now. Would you join me as I pray? Father, I may not know what's happening in someone's life or what's happening in someone's home right now. Thank you for reminding us that you know what's happening. And I may be faithful to pray for someone, or I may not know how to pray for someone, or I may forget to pray for someone, but thank you for reminding us that you are at the throne of God interceding for us each day. And I may or may not be able to go and help someone, but thank you for reminding us that you always come to where we are in the middle of our storms to help us. And I try as best I can to reassure people that life's going to be okay. But my words are nothing compared to your words. And when you walk out in the middle of the storm and you say, it is I, be not afraid. Thank you for those powerful words of comfort. And for these dear precious people, some of whom are living perhaps in a storm right now, may you speak those powerful words to them personally tonight. 
in the dark. It is I. Be not afraid. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.